Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And amazingly, we don't have a Microsoft logo up on our screen right now. How crazy is that, everybody? Well, not as crazy as what's happening with Nintendo, Super Smash Bros. Melee, and fighting tournaments that have been going on for a number of years but don't appear to be going on this year. If you haven't seen the news, this is going to be a video about old school video game fighting tournaments. Smash World Tour in particular, here shown as a logo on their main screen, but also with the ominous note at the top of this screen that says, please see our recent announcement regarding Smash World Tour on Twitter. What is that announcement? Well, as GamesBeat puts it, Smash Brothers Esports in chaos, Nintendo quashes unaffiliated events. We will have a lot more to say on that, but as background, this all starts with an announcement last year. GamesBeat also covered this. Nintendo partners with a company called Panda Global for Super Smash Bros. Melee and Ultimate Events. This is from November 18th, 2021. It's a pretty short kind of article. It says Nintendo announced today a partnership with competitive gaming organization Panda Global. You can see here in their full kind of esports glory, looking a little bit like a sports website, a little bit like a video game website, esports, bringing it all together, Panda Global. But we'll be talking about Panda a lot more as well. Nintendo announced their partnership with Panda to create esports events for Super Smash Bros. Melee and Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. This is surprising in a couple of ways, says GamesBeat. Nintendo is rarely invested in esports. When it does, it usually does so alone. Here, Nintendo is partnering with an esports group that has experience putting on Smash events. Secondly, Nintendo usually only endorses esports for its newest games. So while seeing them work to put on a tournament for Switch's Super Smash Bros. Ultimate isn't too shocking... Melee is almost 20 years old, but the GameCube title still has a lot of fans, especially in the hardcore fighting game community, and Nintendo is finally embracing that. Embracing it indeed, because Super Smash Bros. Melee has had a few visits now to virtual legality. Most recently, in a video we did talking about Nintendo shutting down a tournament called The Big House because they weren't a fan of some modifications that were being used to allow, I believe it was, online interoperability for that particular tournament. You want to keep that in mind because Nintendo will, even in the story told by the Smash World Tour, be talking a little bit about mods and how they really, really hate them. So thank you folks for bringing this story to my attention. A lot of you DM'd me, a lot of you messaged me for what is happening here, especially from a legal perspective, and hopefully we can add a little insight in this virtual legality episode. Thankfully, Smash World Tour, much like Mick Gordon before them, has put forth a medium post trying to explain the situation as best they can and give us the context for it. Now, we have to take this with a grain of salt. This is from one side of a dispute and not the other. And there are actually three parties here. The Smash World Tour, Nintendo, of course, that owns the intellectual property and copyrights two games like Super Smash Bros. Melee and Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. And that Panda World Tour, which Smash World Tour is going to have some hmm, allegations uh, made against them. So with that said, let's get started. There aren't a lot of easy legal answers here, but the very first one we can say is that Nintendo generally has the right to determine how its intellectual property is used by others. That's what we talked about when we were talking about Slippy, and that's what we've talked about in other contexts when we talk about things like streaming, that there is a large amount of gray area that these video game publishers operate under for their benefit, not necessarily the content creators or the tournament organizers, to say, we're not really going to give a license to do this thing, but we're also not going to bring the hammer down on you as long as you do something that we think is valuable to us. 
And much like streaming on Twitch or other things that you might do in that gray area, fighting game tournaments have basically operated there. Saying, hey, we are promoting your game. We're promoting your game sales. We're promoting your brand, your intellectual property. Certainly with respect to Smash, all sorts of intellectual property that you might have. And we aren't going to combine these things with political advertisements or other assorted uh, groups of information that you're going to be unhappy to be a part of. We're going to take care of you. And for the most part, even though Nintendo is reluctant to let intellectual property have any kind of outside influence outside their control, they've kind of allowed these things for a while. That changed in the last couple of days, at least according to this particular message. And the reason it changed is because Nintendo is getting into the licensing business. Introduction. It is with an unbelievably heavy heart that we must announce that both the upcoming Smash World Tour Championships, as well as the 2023 Smash World Tour, must be canceled. And as I understand this, and somebody can certainly leave a comment better explaining it to me, this is a world tour that collects points. It gets different events that become a part of this world tour that it then uses to essentially establish its championship series and participate much like you might see the PGA or a golf season where you've got different events run by different parties that all give points or other standing to participants in order to qualify for things like championships and, uh, well, big money rounds. Without any warning, we received notice the night before Thanksgiving from Nintendo that we could no longer operate. That night before Thanksgiving was a big day. That was when the Sony and Microsoft statements to the CMA went out. Apparently, this is when there was a fight between Nintendo and the Smash World Tour. Big day for video game news. We just didn't always realize it at the time. This was especially shocking, giving our discourse with Nintendo the past 12 months. Since then, we've been working around the clock to take the proper steps logistically, as well as to prepare this statement with proper legal guidance. Now, that's interesting in and of itself. That sounds like they're working with lawyers to make sure that they don't step on any landmines when you make a statement like this. I do recommend that, by the way. We don't give legal advice on this channel. See the disclaimer at the end of this video. But it's always a good idea if you're going to say something that could potentially have liability implications to talk with a lawyer about what those liability implications might be. And if you're going to say things about Nintendo, you're going to say things about Panda Cup, Panda Global. Well, it's a good idea to at least have that preliminarily vetted, certainly. We are seriously grateful for all of the support over the years, and we are incredibly proud of what we were able to build as a community. In 2022 alone, we connected over 6,400 live events worldwide. That is quite the undertaking. With over 325,000 in-person entrants, making the Smash World Tour, SWT, or the Tour, the largest esports tour in history for any game title. So this is a big deal. The championships would also have had the largest prize pool in Smash history, at over a quarter of a million U.S. dollars, the 2023 Smash World Tour planned to have a prize pool even higher at $350,000. So this is not small potatoes. This might be an independent kind of group and an independent kind of event series because they don't have the intellectual property rights to Smash Brothers, but it isn't a small endeavor. And as I talk to you all in virtual legality, as I've said in the past, this is the kind of thing you have to worry about because if you're making your livelihood, if you're making your business model, on the intellectual property of another, and you're operating in that area of largesse, the phrase I generally use for the publisher is okay with it, but they reserve the right to claim infringement if they need to, that can cause a problem, whether you're a content creator on Twitch or a fighting game tournament organizer like the Smash World Tour. That being said, we are truly devastated that this is all being taken away. The impact the tour has had globally cannot be overstated. The amount of tournament organizers, competitors, and fans this will affect is hard to measure. We realized just how much we could expand our spotlight to lesser-known regions, as well as Smash World Tour prize pools in 2023 and beyond, establishing a much healthier ecosystem in the community around the world. We believe this decision by Nintendo sets all of that back significantly, 
which is incredibly disappointing. Another aspect of this, by the way, is that this is a big time operation. And as you get bigger and more popular and more official looking, regardless of whether you have that official standard as a licensee of Nintendo, that is when a publisher or owner of any intellectual property is going to be more cognizant of your dealings and potentially more skittish about them. And Nintendo has traditionally been very conservative about that intellectual property out there in the wild. So the bare reasoning behind the kind of size increase and what their plans are might have gotten Nintendo to reconsider any kind of relationship they would have with them just because there's that much more of an opportunity for an outside party to cause damage to their brand. Not saying that's right. A lot of people are going to feel very strongly about this topic in the video. I would expect comments about that to this video, but it does mean that if you're conservative about your intellectual property, you start to notice its use more as that thing gets bigger. Right? People ask me questions about fan art or other things that are relatively small in stature. I say, well, that might be infringing, but it might not be the case that Nintendo goes after someone that's doing that kind of thing, right? When they ask me these generalized questions. But as you get bigger, Nintendo notices more and Nintendo is going to have different thoughts depending on the size of the operation. Truly, words cannot express how difficult this process has been. We had been preparing a one-of-a-kind event to crown our world champions, and we know just how hard the competitors have worked to get to this point. We were also projecting amazing viewership since the 2021 Smash World Tour Championships had the highest viewership of any Smash event last year. We even had multiple independent documentary crews coming out, both domestic and international, to cover this historic event, especially with the storylines coming into this year with a full global tour with little COVID interference, the championships were going to break records and introduce so many new people to this amazing community. So first and foremost, they're establishing we're big time, we're real. We had a lot of thought and effort and blood and sweat and tears invested into this thing. So this is devastating to what we have been trying to build. It's an ask for sympathy, but not an unwarded one, I don't think. On a logistics note, we will be reaching out to those affected by the canceling of the Smash World Tour Championships. As many of you know, we lost a significant amount of money in the first 18 months of the Smash World Tour. This was truly a labor of love for us. We don't know where everything will land quite yet with contracts, sponsor obligations, etc. In short, we will be losing hundreds of thousands of dollars due to Nintendo's actions. Now remember, as a statement that is vetted by lawyers, this is the kind of thing that if you're a Nintendo lawyer... You say, okay, where are you going with this? When you start saying we'll be losing lots of money due to what you did, that's when the lawyer's ears prick up and they start to read very, very closely indeed. That being said, we are taking steps to remedy many issues that have arisen from canceling the upcoming Smash World Tour Championships, especially for the players. Please keep an eye out in the coming days for help with travel arrangements. Given the timeline that we were forced into, forced is an interesting word right there, we had to publish this statement before we could iron out all of the details all attendees will be issued full refunds. The truth is, what makes this all even more disappointing is the approach Nintendo took in recent weeks compared to our discourse with them over the past 12 months. Remembering that the Panda Global deal is signed in November of 2021, 12 months from when this statement, this conversation, this directive, at least as described by Smash World Tour, was given to them by Nintendo. We truly believed things were progressing positively for quite some time. We had kept all of this progress quiet, but especially in light of both Nintendo's and their partners Panda's actions this year, we wanted to take the opportunity to write an open letter to Nintendo, as we don't know how much the higher-ups at Nintendo are even aware of the history and context of the last few years. This is the attempt that we might have heard described in Mick Gordon's Medium post, where he says, I'm going to go up to ZeniMax. I'm going to stop dealing with id. I'm going to go up a level. We're going to talk to Bethesda. We're going to talk to ZeniMax. We're going to talk to whoever is whoever's boss, and we're going to try to get this thing done going around the horn. So at least from the Spanish World Tour's perspective, 
We think that this might be Nintendo functionaries or Nintendo US people that didn't get the right directives. We want to make this public. We want it covered on virtual legality and in GamesBeat because we think, hey, maybe benefit of the doubt, you guys don't know what your underlings are doing. Hey, could work. Probably not, but you never know. In recent months, we have requested multiple times to communicate with them directly, but these requests were not granted. As a preface, we want to emphasize that there are some great people working at Nintendo who have been advocating for the Smash community and the Smash World Tour, even if that was not reflected in Nintendo's recent actions. We don't want to burn this bridge to the ground, always a wise move. Likewise, we have nothing but the utmost respect for Panda's team, players, ambassadors, employees, and contractors, many of which are our friends and are truly incredible people and to our understanding had little to zero knowledge of the damage Panda caused behind the scenes in the past year. This is very much the call with customer service where you say, I know that isn't your fault. Uh, I, I want to talk to the company heads because this isn't your deal. Panda people, we don't blame you. Nintendo folks, we don't blame you entirely. But we got to talk about what these entities are doing. And this is what Smash World Tour has to say. Ironically, we thought there was a chance that last year's Smash World Tour championships and the tour overall were going to be shut down. In November 2021, about a year ago, after the Panda Cup was first announced, Nintendo contacted us to jump on a call with a few folks on their team, including a representative from Legal. Hey, Legal. We truly thought we might be getting shut down, given the fact that they now had licensed a competing circuit and partner in Panda. Once we joined the call, we were very surprised to hear just the opposite. Nintendo reached out to us to let us know that they had been watching us build over the years and wanted to see if we were interested in working with them and pursuing a license as well. They made it clear that Panda's partnership was not exclusive, and they said it had not gone unnoticed that we had not infringed on their IP regarding game modifications and had represented Nintendo's values well. They made it clear that game modifications were their primary concern in regards to coming down on events. We just talked about Slippy in the big house, right? So Nintendo is particularly focused on modifications in this version of the story, and we have to treat it as a story because this is only one side really telling the tale but it seems to match up with what we've seen from Nintendo and their concerns about the security risks or other feature risks that comes associated with modifications. I don't know exactly what reference to representing Nintendo's values well means in the eyes of Nintendo, but one can easily imagine that that is an intellectual property person saying, hey, you aren't combining our stuff. There's no Princess Peach does Dallas or whatever it might be that we would be concerned about with respect to our intellectual property materials. They made it clear that the game modifications were the issue, which also made sense to us given their enforcement over the past few years in that regard. Yes, anybody who's even tangentially looked at the space has seen Nintendo really react vociferously to somewhat innocuous modifications to things like Super Smash Bros. and Super Smash Bros. Melee. And so the fact that they apparently weren't using those modifications would be useful in this type of commentary. Now, the other thing that jumps out at me as a lawyer is that they are at least telling Smash World Tour that the Panda deal is not exclusive. So when you license out any kind of rights that you have, and an intellectual property holder that has the rights in the Super Smash Brothers Melee title, has the rights to see how it's distributed, how it's publicly displayed, all the things that you would need rights to if you're actually going to officially contractually put out a tournament on these grounds, hey, they can give it to Panda Cup, but they don't lose those rights in inherently. This is the difference between intellectual property and selling a book or a car. They have the innate rights to that intellectual property and they can license it on any terms that they want, give or take. And one of those major terms is whether or not it's going to be exclusive. You could say Panda Cup, you are the only people that are allowed to have a Super Smash Brothers Melee tournament. Here, at least as the story goes, Nintendo specifically calls up Smash World Tour to say, hey, just so we're clear, 
This announcement that we made about Panda, that we're partnering up with them, that you might have seen reported in places like GamesBeat, that was a non-exclusive license. So it's not a Madden situation. It's not, these are the only people that can use this intellectual property. This is a non-exclusive license. And we're interested in having, if I'm on Nintendo's team here, I would say that this indicates we're interested in having a more detailed relationship that actually has some words on a page, has some rights and obligations as between us than just this kind of largesse relationship that otherwise has been serving you guys okay, but we haven't been able to control that interaction as well as we might otherwise like. And we think maybe there's money in this kind of thing. We don't know what Nintendo's thinking. We don't know what the cost of the license would be, but they want to communicate. We're taking this tack. We want licensed competitions and we think that you'd be a good fit because of X and Y. We, you don't use mods. You represent Nintendo's value as well. You should partner up with us as well. That lengthy conversation changed our perspective on Nintendo at a macro level. It was incredibly refreshing to talk to multiple senior team members and clear the air on a lot of miscommunications and misgivings in the year prior. We explained why so many in the community were hesitant to reach out to Nintendo to work together, and we truly believed Nintendo was taking a hard look at their relationship with the community and ways to get involved in a positive manner. We went into 2021's championships a lot more confident, but we were still skeptical to take what they said at face value, given Nintendo's history with the community. Nintendo has a long history of not just with the Super Smash Brothers community, but all of its intellectual property-based communities of being conservative, of not liking how people use the intellectual property out there in the wild, and being what I would describe as more conservative than some of their Western counterparts that are a little bit more freewheeling with how that intellectual property is used. We specifically held off announcing 2022's Smash World Tour at that event per the request of Nintendo. The aim was to get licensed before our 2022 tour was announced and kick off in March. During that time period of December to March, so the Nintendo announcement happens with Panda in November, they have a conversation with Smash World Tour, then we have December to March, so a quarter or so, three or four months, we continued our talks with Nintendo. For the first time, We felt like Nintendo was being consistently straightforward, transparent, and direct in answering our questions. We also began finalizing details of the 2022 Smash World Tour with various tournament organizers around the world, this time with more confidence than ever. So they don't have the license yet. They know Nintendo is in the business of issuing licenses to places like Panda. They know Nintendo has reached out to them. Again, all of this is as alleged in their own statement. And that they can go forward with organizing what their event series is going to look like the next year because they're in the process of getting officially licensed in the way that they might want to, as well as Panda was. Obviously, this is going to go terribly wrong. It's a bit like reading a tragedy. But that's the setup as of March of 2022. However... We quickly found that many organizers were concerned about joining up in 2022. They told us that they had been told by Alan, the CEO and co-founder of Panda, that we were going to get shut down and were not coming back in 2022. And this makes sense, right? Because Smash World Tour themselves, even in their own story here, says that they were worried that the Panda license meant that they weren't going to be allowed to do Super Smash Brothers Melee because most of these would make the most sense being exclusive licenses. Nintendo doesn't want to partner with a whole group of people. And it would have been a surprise to a whole host of organizers and events that Nintendo had this conversation with the Smash World Tour folks, which may or may not have been under a non-disclosure obligation at the same time in any event. Of course, this directly contradicted our conversations with Nintendo that these other organized events would have to worry about our getting shut down. But we felt we could not defend ourselves properly to organizers because we felt that our conversations with Nintendo should be kept private until we had our seemingly imminent licensing deal. Now, this is interesting from a legal perspective. We felt they should be kept private or you were obligated to keep them private. 
that's going to be a big difference in terms of business strategy here. Because obviously, if you are in the business of working with other smaller businesses to organize larger events, and they're worried that you're going to get busted by the intellectual property holder, you should generally be thinking of explaining the situation to them at the time, unless Nintendo asked you not to, or legally obligated you not to. Because if you have an NDA, which you might as part of these conversations, then you have a real worry. If you don't, you're trying not to upset your potential licensing partner, but you should be in the business of explaining to them the situation they've put you in and that you have to be able to have the conversation that says that's wrong. So we decided to approach Nintendo with this very issue directly, explaining the attempted sabotage, which is maybe a strong bit of language here, that was going on and our inability to speak freely. Nintendo was very sympathetic to our situation and reassured us on a few counts, again, according to Spanish World Tour. They reminded us and reassured us that Nintendo was only looking to shut down IP infringement related to game mods and not the unlicensed Smash World Tour. So according to Smash World Tour, Nintendo tells them, we're not worried about you. We're not worried about the things that people like you do. We're worried about Slippy. We're worried about mods. Uh, And so you don't really have to worry. Two, according to Smash World Tour, Nintendo says that the Panda CEO does not represent Nintendo. That's obvious enough. And that they would have to have a conversation with him about his behavior. That Smash World Tour goes and tells Nintendo that this is happening from the Panda folks. And that Nintendo says we might have to have a talk with him. Number three, they reminded us and reassured us that Panda's license is not exclusive and that they can see the two circuits coexisting. And four, they reminded us that Nintendo's goal was not to gatekeep or trap the community and that license guidelines would be accessible and clear. Nintendo is going out there, according to this particular statement, and telling Smash World Tour, we want to be better at this. We understand there's generalized concern in the community about how Nintendo deals with intellectual property. We're giving out non-exclusive licenses. We want people to be licensed, but we're really worried about mods more than anything else. And presumably that kind of mod prohibition is what you would see in license guidelines at the contractual level. But everything that Nintendo is telling Smash World Tour, according to them here in this statement, is designed to placate them. Don't worry about that guy. He's wrong. He's not us. We're working on a license. Licenses will be clear. Don't you worry. This call, again, bolstered our confidence overall, not only in what we were building with the Smash World Tour, but in Nintendo's approach and potential trajectory in working with the community long term. We were excited to invest more into that community. It was around this time as well, in late January, when we submitted our license application for 2022 after working with Nintendo to best meet their specifications. Now, here the timeline gets a little confused, right? Because they talk about December to March as the overall talking time frame, but they actually say they applied for the license in January. If there's any pushback at that point in time, you should probably feel it a little bit, but what's going to be described in this statement, as a spoiler alert, is that Nintendo kind of goes dark a little bit. Now, as a corporate guy, that's not that unusual when dealing with large companies, with bureaucratic institutes, especially multinational ones that have to talk between offices and things like that for a global event like the Smash World Tour. But you probably need to be getting concerned a little bit earlier than the Smash World Tour actually did here. Unfortunately, the attempts from Panda to undermine the Smash World Tour, so we've seen them describe it as undermining and sabotage, as the CEO continued to tell organizers we were definitely not coming back in 2022, and if we did, we'd get shut down shortly after the announcement. Furthermore, organizers were told that their individual events would also be at risk if they were on the Smash World Tour, that the Smash World Tour is persona non grata, and that they could get caught up in the maelstrom if they signed with our tour and not Pandas. A few organizers told us this directly as the primary reason that they did not participate in the tour this year, which we completely understood. That's a very reasonable understanding because I would be concerned if I were an event organizer and I was being told this as well. We did not want organizers to feel like it would add any risk to be on the Smash World Tour, even if we believed that behind the scenes everything was okay, 
based on what Nintendo had told us directly. Nintendo's response to our application came slowly, which did not surprise us. They reached out in March, a few days before our announcement, and we went back and forth on the feasibility of the scope especially since our tour was global and Nintendo of America would have to coordinate with other Nintendo teams. We kept Nintendo in the loop of our announcement plans, but we understandably ran out of time for the formal license. Still, we relied on our other conversations with Nintendo and pressed forward with the 2022 tour. So at some point after March, Smash World Tour gets in its head, and it seems rightly so, that they are not going to get a formal license like Panda Cup got for their tour because they have potentially more going on. They have more jurisdictions. They have more Nintendos of Europe, America, Japan, whatever it might be to work with and work through. And it just wasn't going to happen. But they relied on assurances that Nintendo had given them that they weren't worried about unlicensed tournaments as long as they didn't deal in mods. Again, according to their statement. This caused our application to go into limbo and that a decision could not be made at this time since we did not have the full scope of our proposal sorted with Nintendo in advance. Again, we knew timelines were going to be difficult and that we were building something very long-term. We discussed other approaches and ideas, and eventually Nintendo recommended at this stage to apply for a single event license for our December championships, which would also help get the ball rolling to start working on 2023 with a much longer lead time. So sometime in the middle of 2022, so you're not going to get the full license for your tournament. Nintendo has said we're not that worried about it. Apply for a license to specifically your main championship event in December. We'll get that one done, and we can also use that as the jumping-off point for what your license should look like for uh, throughout 2023. All of which makes sense at this point in time. We'll come back to the accusations about Panda Cup sabotage and Panda Cup undermining, because a lot of people have legal questions about that. And so we'll get back to that. But I want to get through this statement first, and then we'll talk about a few of the legal implications, potential legal liability issues, potential actions that Smash World Tour could bring. I'll probably put a chapter in this video if you want to head straight to that point. Around this same time, Panda Cup began heavily recruiting events for their circuit. The CEO continued to tell organizers we would be getting shut down shortly and also added that any events that participated in the Panda Cup would not be allowed to be on the Smash World Tour. This exclusivity surprised us not only because of our Nintendo conversations regarding coexisting, but also because we were not exclusive. And even back in January, we told organizers that they could be on both with zero issues from us. Now understand, this isn't a Nintendo-facing issue. The Panda Cup organizes its own event structure, so much like you see in sports arguments such as the PGA versus Live, you can absolutely have an organizer of a given series say, hey, if you're on both, we're not going to count your points. And that in and of itself can be leveraged for the value of their series against Smash World Tour. I don't think that rises to the level of any legal problem, but we'll talk about that when we start talking about tortious interference, which a lot of people want to discuss. At first, Panda targeted events that were not on the Smash World Tour, including those who did not join because of the aforementioned warnings. A few of these events had broadcast deals with a popular tournament broadcaster called Beyond the Summit, or BTS. The CEO of Panda wanted broadcasting rights to be included as part of the deal of the events joining the Panda Cup. They want to broadcast themselves. So most of these events refused to break their contracts and Panda approached Beyond the Summit directly to try to get the rights released. BTS had little motivation to give up the broadcast rights for free. That's called a lack of leverage, folks. So they declined to get involved, causing the CEO of Panda to escalate things quickly. We were told he made a variety of threats to Beyond the Summit, including shutting down their entire Smash operation in 2023 if they did not eventually join Panda Cup. After BTS held firm, the CEO of Panda warned that they would get Nintendo directly involved putting broadcast rights for all tournaments in jeopardy. So as described by Smash World Tour here, you have a CEO of Panda Cup allegedly going to various events and saying, 
don't join the Smash World Tour because they're going under. Nintendo's not going to allow them to be. And, Mr. Broadcaster, you have to give us all the broadcasting rights. And if you don't, we're going to bring Nintendo into this and bust you because you're not as licensed as we are. You have somebody going out there having negotiated a license and using that official position to, according to Smash World Tour, present as having more exclusivity rights or rights in general than they really do and calling on, uh, you know, daddy Nintendo to come and solve the issue for them. Now, it doesn't appear that that happened with respect to the Panda Cup, but Nintendo's certainly going to walk away at the end of this whole statement. In the end, most events with Beyond the Summit broadcasting contracts chose to side with Beyond the Summit and did not join the Panda Cup after all of the turmoil. During all of this, we still kept an open line of communication with Nintendo as we prepared our submission for our championships event. We also expressed our serious concern about how Panda was talking to community organizers and their lack of ethics in how they approached Beyond the Summit. Again, it was alleged uh, here by the Smash World Tour. We felt a line had been crossed that could not be ignored. Again, we were reassured that the CEO of Panda does not speak for Nintendo. Again, that's obvious enough. And that they are frustrated with all of the fracturing happening behind the scenes due to his behavior. Now, looking at this from the intellectual property owner's perspective, it's very possible they signed up with a vendor that then went crazy. This does happen. Vendors don't always do what you want them to do, and Nintendo might have to evaluate in that future. Or Nintendo is perfectly okay with this and is otherwise trying to placate the people that have a problem with it when they call up or when they email. It's very difficult to make that determination from a statement only given to us by Smash World Tour. And so we have to take this a bit with a grain of salt because we just don't know what's happening behind the scenes at Nintendo. We also discussed strategy in submitting our new application for the December event, including potentially changing the name of the Smash World Tour and if that would be beneficial. Smash, of course, being a part of the Nintendo trademarking and intellectual property ownership of the game. Hey, they go to Nintendo, at least according to the statement, and say, hey, we'll change the name. We'll, we'll call it Fighting Brothers, Super Fighting Brothers World Tour. What, what do you need it to be so that you're happy with us? We cannot get into specifics of license requirements due to our NDA with Nintendo, and there it is. But again, Nintendo was very helpful in the preparation process, and we were right on track to submit again, this time with many months of lead time. We submitted our proposal on April 9th, 2022. So even though we couldn't tell dates here, one thing that jumps out is that it's April when they start to decide we can only hit December. So this timeline is now coming together. They try to get a license for all of 2022 very early. That's not going to happen because, well, 2022 is proceeding at the time. Nintendo says, don't worry about the 2022 tournament, according to the Smash World Tour. Just worry about your championship event. We're more worried about that. They file that application some seven months before all the activity that happens just before Thanksgiving. After many events declined, Panda had no choice but to pursue events that were already on the Smash World Tour, meaning that they would have to drop off the Smash World Tour midseason to join Panda Cup. And this goes unsaid in this sentence, but because Panda Cup has said your points won't count if you're on both. For many organizers, this was a deal breaker as they saw no reason that their event could not have points count towards both circuits. They were also concerned that more fracturing could occur. At this point, Panda Cup was not left with many events for their circuit. However, at some point in April, the exclusivity rule changed and events became eligible to be on both the Smash World Tour and the Panda Cup, which would be a reasonable kind of change in procedure if you're Panda Cup and you're having trouble actually placing events in your tournament structure. You'd say, okay, fine, we'll give up on that. We were trying to use that to push people into our circuit and against the Smash World Tour, but if that's not working out, we'll allow the points either way. Additionally, multiple events were then issued Nintendo licenses very quickly after the events were publicly announced, which is going to come up. This caught us by surprise because we were repeatedly told by Nintendo that this was not possible. All of these instances were a great demonstration of the rules for the but not for me umbrella we felt we were under. Now that's a bit of shade towards Nintendo, which maybe is warranted if this all went down exactly as is described by them, uh, but it does suggest a certain amount of bitterness towards all parties involved from the Smash World Tour side of things. 
And yes, if they're being told by Nintendo, you basically can't get a license once it's been announced. And these events were already announced when they get their licenses because they're part of the Panda Cup. If I'm the lawyer, if I'm in the room on the business strategy side with Smash World Tour, you absolutely have to be looking at yellow flags, if not red flags, to say, oh, we, we might be being sold a bill of goods here. Because if that's happening so easily for Panda Cup, it might actually be, if not an exclusive license, a quasi-exclusive license. And we should not take any of this for granted about what Nintendo's doing or what they're saying to us. If you've been in the room on negotiations and dealing with somebody that goes dark with you for a while, you have to take under consideration that they're negotiating with someone else or that you're not getting the full story from them. And I'm just not sure Smash World Tour reacted to this kind of state of affairs as well as they could have at the time. Not their fault. It's kind of an optimism uh, that they appear to have during this time period, but it really should have been raising alarm bells when it happened. The Panda Cup was finally announced on May 26, 2022. Our communications slowed down dramatically with Nintendo since at this point, all we were waiting for were the next steps regarding our December championships and beginning talks for the 2023 Smash World Tour. Nintendo was very slow to respond to our many bumps, even though they were aware that we submitted in early April with the intention of announcing the event in July, giving more than enough time for a decision or a discussion on next steps using the timeframes they provided to us. Yes, I would think that three months would be enough. We continued to push back the announcement for the championships in the hopes that following Nintendo's directives would help our relationship in planning for 2023. And again, it's this kind of optimism you see in this statement, at least as they've described this relationship, that somebody probably should have been saying, no, this doesn't feel right uh, behind the scenes. And maybe they were, but they still wanted to proceed on a kind of good faith dealing uh, approach with Nintendo. After no response for months, we felt that we had no choice but to announce the championships in August. Nintendo finally responded and mentioned another event they had their team incredibly busy, which is why there were delays, says Nintendo. They were very apologetic for the long silence and said they completely understood that we had to announce. They mentioned that discussions have been much slower than expected and there had not been any decision yet. After continued delays in communication, we finally reconvened with Nintendo at the end of September from an April application, nearly four months after our submission. Nintendo once again reassured us that nothing had been decided yet and apologized for how long the process had taken. They also reminded us that the Panda Cup execution relationship and the behavior of the CEO were all under evaluation, and it created a very complex situation which Nintendo could not react to quickly. We raised concerns from organizers who were concerned about Panda being involved next year, as well as the future of the Smash World Tour. We offered to sit down with whoever else it may be beneficial to talk to, since there are many decision makers involved at Nintendo, many of which do not have full context and may see us as the guys who announced without a license, which they say they were forced to do in August. Nintendo said things were getting out of hand regarding the timeline and that they will try to get the conversations progressing again. We were frustrated, but we still had no concerns about operating the Smash World Tour, just about whether we'd be able to obtain a license and actively work with Nintendo on building the community. So that's the whole state of affairs, is Nintendo slowballing negotiations, either because of kind of just general bureaucratic slowness or more going on behind the scenes. Nintendo clearly having, at least as represented by Smash World Tour here, a greater emphasis and higher importance on delivering licenses to the folks that are getting involved in the Panda Cup, all of which should have raised alarm bells for the Smash World Tour, perhaps more than it actually did, but you can hear descriptions of their frustration, at least. Then we get to the shutdown. We were not able to reconvene with Nintendo again until November, nearly seven months after our application submission. At this point, we were only one month out from the championships, and we pressed Nintendo a bit harder on how things were progressing. They wanted to have a licensed event. They said it had been a very complex issue navigating the planning for commercial licensing. Didn't you just enter into a license with Panda Cup, Nintendo? But they were very empathetic to us feeling backburnered, especially given the context of Panda Cup's messy inception 
and execution. Now, this is actually another part of the story, right? One aspect of this that you could look at is that Nintendo favors the Panda Cup for reasons that we don't understand and we probably never will understand unless somebody makes some kind of tell-all statement or writes a book or something. The other thing that is happening, though, is that if you're Nintendo, you're sitting there, Nintendo HQ, you just signed up to one of your first licenses on this, Panda Cup, and then one of the other people that is involved in this community, Smash World Tour, is continuing to ping you with emails or phone calls or whatever that says Panda Cup's acting ridiculously. Now, on the one hand, you could think, okay, that's just an upset person that doesn't have a license yet, and maybe you backburner them because, well, they're squeaky wheels and they're annoying you. Or, on the other hand, you look at this and say, oh, that is actually what's happening with Panda Cup. And Nintendo didn't really want to be in the business of licensing out you know, the rights to Super Smash Brothers Melee anyway, and they're starting to get cold feet buyer's remorse about this whole thing. Right? If Panda Cup really is acting this way, as Smash World Tour has claimed, then Nintendo could be looking at this saying, this was all a mistake. These people are ridiculous. Look at what the Panda Cup CEO is doing. We don't want to do this at all. And that could be a part of the story as well. Nintendo told us that there are many decision makers involved and some have been advocating very hard for the community, the Smash World Tour, and the importance of the relationship to grassroots organizers. We again requested an opportunity to potentially meet with some of the other decision makers. We were worried that they did not know the full context of what had taken place this year. Nintendo said they will see what they can do and that we should continue to meet regularly to discuss future planning. Finally, last Wednesday evening, November 23rd, we had our most recent call with Nintendo. Our Nintendo representative opened by letting us know that they are being asked to deliver the news that going forward, Nintendo expects us to only operate with a commercial license and that we would not be granted one for the upcoming championships or any activity in 2023. We received this in writing as well. That will come up again. Remember that? We asked if they could clarify the reasoning for their decision, which again is you're not getting a license for your event and you're not getting a license next year and we don't want any events going forward without a license. Initially, Nintendo gave us a reason that seemed to be misinformed, and when we pushed back to ask for more details, Nintendo said they were unable to give any specifics and had to speak in generalities moving forward. Now here, my personal alarm bells go off, right? This is a little bit like the Helena Taylor situation. Nintendo gave you a reason that seemed to be misinformed. You are writing an open letter right now. This seems like an appropriate venue to tell us what it is that you think Nintendo got wrong and how you tried to push back on what that was. Now, they've already said this is legally vetted. We believe we're under an NDA. They're probably thinking that they're skirting the lines of that by making the statement in any event. So I understand the lawyer saying, no, don't give details there. But in terms of convincing us of the veracity of your complaint, this is a very weird kind of sentence because you've apparently been open with us throughout this statement. And now you're saying they gave us a reason, but it seemed wrong and we pushed back and then they changed their story. It's very hard to actually just believe you out of hand on this when we don't get more details as to what you're talking about. This was very frustrating given everything we had been told all year regarding accessibility and transparency and requirements. It felt as though Nintendo simply did not want the Smash World Tour to continue to exist. At this point, we now felt we had been strung along this entire time. Again, if you're looking at a legally vetted statement, if you're in Nintendo headquarters as counsel, you're like, "Uh uh-oh. Okay, so they said that they've been harmed by hundreds of thousands of dollars and that they feel they've been strung along. This is kind of setting up for a very specific kind of claim. As a last-ditch effort, we asked if we could continue running the championships and the tour next year without a license and shift our focus to working with them in 2024. All right, let's go for a longer lead time. We alluded to how the last year functioned in that capacity with a mutual understanding that we would not get shut down and focused on the future. We were told directly that those times were now over. This was the final nail in the coffin given our very particular relationship with Nintendo. This is when we realized it truly was all being shut down for real. We asked if they understood the waves that would be made if we were forced to cancel and Nintendo communicated that they were indeed aware. 
Now, what's important here is that this is all the Smash World Tour's description of events. We will see Nintendo disputes this. We'll be back. Since this took place the night before Thanksgiving, it was incredibly difficult to process this completely unexpected bombshell. And again, I would offer it probably shouldn't be completely unexpected after you observe what's happening over the year. And we've been working around the clock ever since. Once again, we want to apologize to every single person affected by this, including the players, staff, contractors, organizers, and fans. We also apologize for any of those we could not communicate with these past few days. As you can imagine, this was an enormous decision that was not taken lightly, and we had a lot to prepare to get everything sorted. We did not want to risk any premature leaks. We wanted to get this statement out as quickly as possible, and we will be in touch with all staff, contractors, and attendees regarding refunds, helping with travel arrangement changes, etc. So this statement is being released earlier than they would prefer it because they were worried it was going to come out in some other capacity, either from Nintendo or from Panda, based on this statement. Conclusion, to reiterate, we are incredibly devastated that any of this happened, and given the trajectory of Nintendo, we were truly hopeful that significant positive change was inbound. However, the way the last few weeks have unfolded, we are extremely worried that all of that progress has been abruptly reversed. We understand that we are taking a massive risk by even sharing all of the above details. Our goal is to not burn bridges or make an expose on Nintendo. This truly is an open letter. We genuinely are unsure of how much Nintendo is aware, and we are hoping that they will reconsider their approach to the grassroots community. We all love this community so much and have tried to represent Nintendo well as we share that love with millions of fans worldwide. Now, I would offer, I don't know how realistic it is to assume that you can change Nintendo's mind just with the statements here as if Nintendo isn't aware of them. But I do think from a rhetorical standpoint, the focus is what they have achieved, which is, hey, look, Nintendo isn't community favorable and we should have a talk about this and apply maybe gentle, maybe more than gentle pressure on Nintendo to allow more of these kinds of things. Nintendo originally communicated that their goals were to make both community and commercial licensing accessible and transparent in regards to requirements, like many other game publishers, some, and did not function as a deterrent to tournament organizers. They also made it clear that their goal was to not shut anything down unless violations were made against IP utilizing game modifications and things of that nature. So this is doubling down on that list we saw above, but it is important. Now it has reverted back to being very secretive with no clear guidelines and a willingness to abruptly shut down community efforts, even after giving many indications that would not happen. To close, we ask that Nintendo reconsiders how it is currently proceeding with their relationship with the Smash community as well as its partners. We are always open to continuing the conversation and we hope we can be a part of the solution. Smash World Tour. So this made waves across a bunch of different places. I wanted to get the whole statement out because a lot of it is important to kind of analyzing what's happening here. First and foremost, what I got from the GamesBeat reporter here is very nice. Asked me a few questions on the legal possibilities, the most of which were focused on the concept of tortious interference. Now, different jurisdictions call tortious interference different things, but one of the pieces of advice I did give in terms of putting quotes uh, together for GamesBeat here was that it's a very difficult claim to bring. And the reason it is, is because for the most part, as we've seen with respect to Epic v. Apple or Microsoft Times Activision or anything else, we actually want industry participants to be competing hard against each other because we think competition helps the process of getting better, higher quality goods and services at a lower price to more consumers in general. So we want Panda Cup to be able to go out there and essentially try to convince folks to join their league instead of the Smash World Tours League. Now, there are things there that can get problematic if contracts are entered into, but here, there doesn't appear to be a contract with Nintendo at all, and certainly not a contract 
with Panda. So it becomes something that's a little bit difficult to prove. I like to bring jury instructions into play to kind of discuss why that is. I use California here, uh, not because we know what jurisdiction Smash World Tour might bring a claim. Nintendo is actually Washington, but I don't really like the way their jury instructions are written. But here's California talking about what they describe as tortious interference or intentional interference with prospective economic relations. This is the version that doesn't include a contract. Now, on the one hand, it is possible the events themselves have a contractual relationship with Smash World Tour, although that is not mentioned in their statement, which could potentially be tortiously interfered with by a party like Panda Cup. Just telling folks to come over and breach their contract is one thing. And we at least have that accused of Panda with respect to the broadcasting rights. So it is notable the Smash World Tour in their statement knows how to make that claim. And they don't make that claim about the organizing events for 2022. So it seems likely that there isn't a contract in play at all. The reason that is important is because when you look at jury instructions for something like this, pay very close attention to where we talk about what type of actions are illegal. So in these jury instructions in California, and again, we don't have reason to believe that this is the jurisdiction that would this apply to, but tortious interference and claims like it are going to be different across jurisdictional lines. We just can't guess as to where a lawsuit might be brought if it were, but they're going to mostly follow the same kind of overall rules. Name of plaintiff. So that would be Panda Cup in this context, uh, or it would be uh, Smash World Tour, apologies, claims that Panda Cup intentionally interfered with an economic relationship between them and a third party. Here, Nintendo. The Panda Cup's going around telling folks that Nintendo is going to be broken, telling the organizing events that they're not going to be on a tour if they choose to side with the Smash World Tour. All sorts of things that could be tortious interference with Nintendo and these other parties that probably would have resulted in an economic benefit to Smash World Tour. To establish this claim, Smash World Tour would have to prove all of the following. First, that Smash World Tour and that third party were in an economic relationship that probably would have resulted in an economic benefit. This is a little bit tricky because in respect of Nintendo, they're in an infringing relationship that Nintendo allows. That is an economic relationship. And if you get Nintendo to change its behavior towards you, well, then that could be tortious interference. But we'll see why that's difficult. In respect of the events themselves, you might have an economic relationship that would benefit you. It seems like you probably do. So that might be sated for that particular requirement there. The Panda Cup knew of the relationship. Certainly that would seem apparent from all of these things, whether it's Nintendo or the events themselves, that Panda Cup engaged in, and here's where the rubber hits the road, specify conduct determined by the court to be wrongful. Wrongful. It has to be something that is unfair or wrongful and not just competition. Now, you might say, Rick, at least according to Smash World Tour, Panda Cup is lying about this stuff. Maybe, But Panda Cup might think that to be true. And in fact, Nintendo might have intimated that is true to the Panda Cup. We don't have their side of things, really. We don't have Nintendo or Panda Cup side of things vis-a-vis what the Panda Cup license affords them. We have Smash World Tour saying Nintendo is telling them that the license is non-exclusive, but they might have made certain presentments of rights to Panda Cup, either as part of the license or as part of the discussions with Panda Cup for paying for that license. That by engaging in the conduct that the court found to be wrongful, Panda Cup intended to disrupt a relationship or knew that it would be disrupted, that the relationship was disrupted, that Smash World Tour was harmed, and that Panda Cup's conduct was a substantial factor in causing the Smash World Tour harm. Now, a lot of that sounds pretty close, but this is a notoriously difficult claim to bring because of that notion of competition. 
right? And you can go and you can look. One of the reasons I like the California jury instructions, I will link these to the video, is that you can get what they call their sources and authority, the various cases in and around California in the circuits or otherwise, that would impact how this is to be uh, reviewed. The tort of intentional or negligent interference with prospective economic advantage imposes liability for improper, much like wrongful, improper methods of disrupting or diverting the business relationship of another, which falls outside the boundaries of fair competition. But the contract matters, as we can see in the next quote. The tort of interference with prospective economic advantage protects the same interest in stable economic relationships as does the tort of interference with contract, though interference with prospective advantage does not require proof of a legally binding contract. The chief practical distinction between interference with contract and interference with prospective economic advantage is that a broader range of privilege to interfere is recognized when the relationship or economic advantage interfered with is only prospective that you have less of a right to avoid another competitor in your space, like another tournament organizer, going out there and saying, you should join with us. I'm not even sure that tour is going to exist. In fact, I know they're not licensed right now. What do you think that means for them long term? There are ways to present that as the Panda Cup CEO that aren't even lying necessarily. You might truly believe, hey, we got this license with Nintendo. Nintendo's in the business of licensing things. They're not going to take well to companies and tournament organizers that aren't licensed, which proves to be the case by the time you get to Thanksgiving of this year. And so we think you should really consider joining with us. That is the kind of thing that can look unethical. You saw that reference in Smash World Tour and that maybe you or I wouldn't do, but probably doesn't easily result in a legal claim against Panda Cup, which is what so many people were interested in when they sent this particular story to me. So I'm very sorry to tell you that, but tortious interference is one of those that I think people on the internet in general are familiar with, and they don't realize necessarily how difficult it is to make that claim. You have to find something untowards, unfair, wrongful, in order to get to that point in time. And for the most part, we're okay with competition. Now, if there are lies there, if you get something in evidence through discovery or otherwise that looks much more significantly bad and unfair than what has been presented in the Smash World Tour commentary so far, it's possible you can bring this claim, especially against the event organizers uh, or against Panda Cup with respect to their actions taken vis-a-vis uh, -vis the event organizers, but probably not against Nintendo. So what do you even have potentially against Nintendo? Well, I said in the GamesBeat article, it's possible there could be some kind of reliance or defamation claim against Nintendo. And the reason for the second is, is based on the Kotaku article. We'll get to that. The reason for the first, detrimental reliance, you kind of see them setting up throughout their statement. So again, if we look at California for just a kind of reliance notion, this one's a little bit simpler, right? Smash World Tour relied on Nintendo's misrepresentation, concealment, or false promise. And if that misrepresentation, concealment, or false promise substantially influenced Smash World Tour's actions... If they spent money, they signed contracts, you see them reference contractors, employees, agents, all these various things. If they took steps based on the fact that Nintendo misled them and they lost money doing it, which is what they claim at the top of their document, well, you might have a kind of detrimental reliance or as we'll see in a moment, promissory estoppel type claim, all fancy legal words for, we don't really have a contract, but they made, me, they made promises and we relied upon them and we did some stuff and justice requires us to look at that and say, they really shouldn't be allowed to do that. But outside of the realm of contract, we're relying on what we call equitable principles in a court of law, which means that you actually have to convince a court that this is an unjust outcome. When one of the questions that'll be asked is, was it reasonable to rely on what Nintendo had to say? Nintendo didn't, at least as described by Smash World Tour, make promises necessarily. You hear reference to them assuring them of certain things, but do the people that they were talking to have the obligation or right 
to assure of Nintendo's business strategy and policies regarding commercial licensing. Were they things that you could trust as a reasonable person? What was the language used in respect to these things? All of this stuff would come up. The other aspect of this in California is at least somebody like Smash World Tour would probably not have done the things without that promise or misrepresentation. That becomes tricky for them as well because they were in the business of doing these things, right? And they didn't have a license before. Certainly it looks like Nintendo changed the state of play in November of 2021, but they were in the business of making these choices and infringement didn't really bother them before now. It was clear as much as anything that you're almost certainly infringing on the Smash Brothers rights by having a tournament without getting some kind of license allowance for it and Nintendo just kind of allowed it. So does what they had to say in these meetings actually change what they were gonna do? I'm not so sure. Now I do bring in the Washington jury instructions here because Nintendo is headquartered in Washington. And we can look at this, it's a very similar kind of concept. They call it promissory estoppel, which is a kind of quasi-contract, you see this reference here, that makes something like an offer or induces something like an action based on promises or misrepresentations. As Washington puts it, promissory estoppel means that a person will be prevented, estopped, because why would we use the word prevented in the practice of law, right? From denying liability for breaching his or her promise when another person reasonably relied upon that promise and justice requires that the promise be enforced. Name of promisee claims promissory estoppel and has the burden of proving by a preponderance of the evidence each of the following. So Smash World Tour would have to show that Nintendo made a promise of something, right? So we've got assured right now, but did Nintendo actually make a promise? Did Nintendo say, hey, no tournament is going to get in trouble for not having a license if they aren't using modifications? Is there something like that that is very clearly stated? If they can show something like that, well... Bob's your uncle, you've started out on your elements of the claim. Two, that Nintendo should reasonably have expected that that promise to cause Smash World Tour to change its position by doing something or not doing something, right? In this case, would Nintendo saying these things have encouraged Smash World Tour to actually spend money and contractually commit to people and things which they wouldn't have done if Nintendo hadn't made that promise? Very similar to the reliance concept in California we just looked at. That name of promise or claimant actually did change its position. That not only did it induce them to enter into those contracts, they did in fact enter into those contracts. And then when Smash World Tour changed its position, they were relying on the promise. So there's a long way, a very legally worded way of saying, hey, they made you a promise and that actually affected what you did. And if they breach that, if they go back on their word there, well, then justice would require that you get some kind of redress for it, right? And finally, that injustice can only be avoided, uh, avoided if the promise is enforced. You see this in brackets. Chances are you wouldn't be looking to force them to allow you to have the tournament. You'd be looking for damages of some kind, generally speaking, the costs that you've incurred that you've stated in your statement. So that's that's kind of the, the, the promissory estoppel, detrimental reliance look at things. I told you tortious interference is difficult. That's why I finish up with this Games Beat article saying it's possible there could be one of these claims, but it would be a long shot because it's hard to believe that Nintendo would have been silly enough with lawyers in the room. We heard legal counsel was on one of these calls. Uh, to actually make those kinds of promises or try to induce that kind of action. Not impossible. It's not impossible. Companies aren't perfect on these kinds of things. And they might be liable for this if they induced Smash World Tour in a way that the courts find is unfair. Now, finally, as the end of this video, one thing gets really complicated here, and that's Nintendo has its own thoughts on this. They actually issue a statement to Kotaku, who's doing an article on this. They say the following. Unfortunately, after continuous conversations with Smash World Tour, and after giving the same deep consideration we apply to any potential partner, we were unable to come to an agreement with Smash World Tour for a full circuit in 2023. Nintendo did not request any changes to 
or cancellation of remaining events in 2022, including the 2022 championship event, considering the negative impact on the players who are already planning to participate. So Nintendo's official stance is, no, we weren't going to issue them a commercial license for next year, but they canceled everything on their own. We didn't tell them to cancel anything. Now, this is a significant point of contention because to the extent that you've got players that already have hotels booked or flights booked or contractors that have the same and contractual commitments undertaken by Smash World Tour for this December 2022 championship series, Nintendo going out there and saying you don't have to cancel all of this is vastly different from what Smash World Tour at least heard in the statements from Nintendo that was that you had to cancel it, which leads us to Smash World Tour actually responding to this after the fact. And they say the following, we received this statement in writing from Nintendo shortly after our call. And they quote this, it is Nintendo's expectation that an approved license be secured in order to operate any commercial activity featuring Nintendo IP. It is also expected to secure such a license well in advance of any public announcement. It sounds like Nintendo had a real issue with them going forward with announcing in August. After further review, we've found that the Smash World Tour has not met these expectations around health and safety guidelines and has not adhered to our internal partner guidelines. Nintendo will not be able to grant a license for the Smash World Tour Championship of 2022 or any Smash World Tour activity in 2023. Now you'll note, this is not a formal statement that you must cancel Smash World Tour Championship 2022, but... When we're talking about any kind of reliance, any kind of statement that Nintendo might have made, it seems like a reasonable reading of this paragraph, if it is accurately depicted as received in writing from Nintendo, that Nintendo saying it's an expectation that an approved license be secured in order to operate any commercial activity, and we will not be giving you a license to December's 2022 event, is, as far as these things go, Nintendo saying you best cancel that. Now, yes, it's true. As far as Nintendo says, we did not request any cancellation may be technically accurate. There's no formal you must cancel, but it's our expectation that you'll have a license and we're not giving you one is something that any lawyer would read and say, you best not operate this because Nintendo has told you that they might sue you if you go forward with this particular event. That's how I read it. I suspect that's how Smash World Tour read it. So we already have some kind of dicey statement arguments here. And certainly with this kind of juxtaposition, if these are both accurate, then Nintendo doesn't look so good at suggesting that this paragraph doesn't lead to someone canceling. But as a legal liability matter, they very much don't want them to have said that they should cancel because they've already indicated that they've lost hundreds of thousands of dollars as part of this cancellation, right? So Nintendo is looking at this and saying, okay, we've got a potential liability issue. We want to make clear we didn't tell them to cancel. Smash World Tour says, this is what we were told. In fact, they include another paragraph that says, to be clear, we did not even submit an application for 2023 yet. The license application was for the 2022 championships. Nintendo, including all 2023 activity, was an addition we were not even expecting. In our call that accompanied the statement, we asked multiple times if we would be able to continue to operate without a license as we had in years past with the same unofficial understanding with Nintendo, we were told point blank that those times are over. They followed up the call with that statement in writing, again, confirming that they would not be issuing a license for 2022 or 2023. Now, there are other things to note in this statement, and this goes back to what I was saying as Smash World Tour appears to be leaving out at least something significant here when they described this and said, well, we thought that Nintendo had made a mistake and we tried to tell them that, You do get a reference here in the Nintendo statement that is interesting that they gave deep consideration, but 
they weren't able to meet uh, with these guidelines around health and safety or internal partner guidelines. Now, health and safety is, you know, what you would expect, COVID requirements, line requirements, whatever it might be, you're going to have the proper guards there, whatever might otherwise appear in those guidelines. And then internal partner guidelines are usually, here's how you're going to treat our intellectual property. You're going to make sure it doesn't appear with political messages. You're going to make sure it doesn't appear with adult content. You're going to make sure it does this and this, and our brand will be this big, and our logo will never appear next to this. All these various things come in an internal partner guideline package. They appear to be suggesting that either pretextually lying or legitimately, they are now unhappy with what Smash World Tour was saying about these various guidelines. I suspect the internal partner guidelines have something that says you don't announce things before you actually have a license as of right now. And it certainly seems like Smash World Tour is perhaps skipping a little bit of frustration or anger that Nintendo has regarding what they did vis-a-vis their announcement. You see it a little bit when they say, hey, we wanted to have a call with Nintendo to make sure we weren't just the guys that announced without a license. You see that here. And that is suggestive to me of the fact that Nintendo might have been signaling that that was the issue. Overall, though, from a perspective of somebody that likes video game tournaments, likes to see video game exposure uh, in general, this certainly doesn't seem to be a fair state of affairs for what Smash World Tour went through, right? I can look at this statement like this and I can tell you, ooh, there certainly would have been red flags for me at this point in time. And I don't think they have a legal claim for this reason and that reason, but they might. You don't know what was actually said in these messages and they'd probably be evaluating it if there really is hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line. But overall, I would definitely see Nintendo and publishers look towards these kinds of events and be happy about them. Yes, work through licenses. Licenses are how you protect your brand. I get that, but be open to having them be definitely better at communicating with folks that have these particular concerns, want to be licensed, want to work with you. And I do think some publishers are getting that a little bit more, but overall, it's one of the things I say a lot in virtual legality. Too many of these video game publishers work on this system of largesse that's just, oh, everything's unofficial. It's all going to be fine. But if we decide today because we woke up and we looked at the color of the sky and we were unhappy with it, that we're going to cut you off, that that's no way to run a railroad. And that's no way to live a life if you're trying to organize events like Smash World Tour or even Panda Cup. And so I would see these publishers work harder to have community relationships that are better for everybody. And it's a real shame that that didn't appear to happen here. Is there more going on? I suspect there is. I think Smash World Tour is probably cutting off some of what Nintendo argued to them in their statement. I would love to hear more from Nintendo in particular, but right now it looks like Nintendo is planning only to respond to the Kotaku article and to otherwise go dark. What are your thoughts? Do you have other thoughts about Smash World Tour, the Smash combat scene in general, how publishers treat both unofficial and officially licensed tournaments? What do you think? I certainly would love to see them handled better, but I'm very interested in what you have to say as well. Further, if you like these kinds of conversations about the business and law of technology, video games, software, and more, please consider supporting the channel. Can't do it without support from viewers and listeners like you. We've got support platforms in Utreon, Patreon, and YouTube memberships as well. Otherwise, if you don't like any of those options, just subscribing, ringing the bell, telling folks we're having these kinds of conversations in this space. Every single little bit helps. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you on the next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel. 